let you know I, 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 I had been most of the week as I could. The few moments I'd have here or there to try to <laughs> try to prepare stuff. I've been preparing a message, and I, I will be preaching it. Thank you. Eventually, and we're preaching it on heaven. But um, I just couldn't get a total peace about it, peace about this morning. And, and I think last night while I was walking and praying, I, I began to just told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, you, you know, I don't want to preach a good message. I don't want to preach a good thought. I want to, uh, I want to do what you want me to do. And a conversation came into my mind from a few days earlier. And that conversation is, was this. I got home Sunday night after the service. And I walked upstairs and went to my dad's room. And as we're sitting there, he began to talk about things he had learned and spiritually. And he told me, you know, the first time he's ever said this, he said, you know, I, he said, uh, you know, my, my favorite sermon that you've ever preached, and I, and uh, he called out the name of it, and I said, wow, Dad, I, you know, I, I said, I knew that one time before you wanted me to preach that sermon, but I didn't know it was your, was your favorite, and he started going through, and he even, he even told me something I left out one time when I preached it, where he, from the first time that I preached it, and uh, which that was pretty much dad. I mean, he, you know, he he was gonna, he was gonna somewhere in the in in the midst of everything, he's gonna correct me. So, but uh, but as I, I um, uh, as I was praying uh, last night, I just couldn't get away from the fact that um, this was dad's favorite sermon, and so I'm gonna preach it this morning. And I'm not preaching because it was his favorite. I felt like that's what God directed my mind to, and that's kind of the way I do things. I just go that direction as soon as God directs my mind to that. But the, the message that it was his favorite, it's going to be familiar to my children especially, but, but it's, it's called, uh, I got two different mess, uh, titles for it, but it's called Hearing But Not Listening. Hearing But Not Listening. So many in the, the Christian world hear the word of God as white noise. I just preached to the church recently. And please um, forgive me. Those of you who have been around for a while, you, you know, we've, been, we've, had, we've had several that have gone to heaven in the last year. And, and, uh, and you already know that even though most of those I only knew for a year or less, uh, my heart was touched for them, and, and, and I had to explain to you, I've fought it, I've tried to change, I've tried to be different, but I am just what I am. I'm emotional. So, forgive me, uh, I'll get going here in a second and I'll be okay, but don't be down, don't be discouraged, don't be depressed, please. You smile at me even though I'm looking like, uh, you know, an idiot in front of you. So, But so many uh, 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 of this Christian world, we, 
the Word of God, and I preached about it recently, the Word of God, it's just white noise. It, it, it's just something we hear, but we don't listen to. And by listen, uh, when I was growing up, uh, it, it was, you know, you had to, you, they grabbed your face and they, and they said, look at me, you know. Uh, what they're saying is, listen to what I'm telling you right now. Hear what I'm telling you right now, but more than just hear the noise, hear what I'm telling you. What a wonderful world it would be if we had to hear clearly the word as God spoke to, like Moses. And, and I was reading about that earlier this morning, that how the, the Lord spoke to Moses. And, and he told him so much and spoke to him so much and so clearly. And I thought, you know, we, we think, boy, I wish God would speak to me like that. He does. Amen. But, but it becomes white noise to us. Now, this is what I'm going to preach, is a story that Dad loved, and this is the sermon they loved, but, but I want you to go to Mark chapter 8, verse 31, Mark chapter 8, verse 31, and we're going to turn to several different chapters, but they're all really close to each other, so it, it won't be much, and there's just a couple of verses, maybe one verse or two verses in, in each one of these chapters, but... This is a, it, to me, it's, it's a real classic kind of story, and, and I know there's a lot of ramifications behind it, but, but, but the fact is, is that God is speaking to those that are following him. Jesus is speaking to them, and he says, Mark chapter 8, verse 31, he says, he began to teach them, them being those who are his disciples who are following along with him, because Jesus is somewhere uh, in Caesarea Philippi, the northern region of Galilee, and he's, he's there, he's getting ready to journey, and and maybe he is journeying uh, at this time, but he, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. It's pretty direct, pretty plain. He's, you know, uh, the Son of Man speaking of himself. Now, I don't, I've, apparently they didn't comprehend this, but, but he's speaking of himself and he says that that going to be killed. And he said, you know, obviously after I'm killed, I'll be buried, and after three days, arise again. And so uh, now look at Mark chapter 9, just turn over to the chapter, or maybe it's across the page from you, but uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 31, it says, and he's traveling now south, uh, nearing Capernaum, you know, he's, he's traveling according to where, you know, the locations that kind of the scripture gives, he says, for he taught his disciples and said unto them, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after he is killed, he shall rise the third day. So really, there's a short distance and a short time frame that has taken place here where he has somehow with them, walking along in the midst of them, or sitting down having a bite to eat, or resting, I don't know. But he said that the Son of Man is going to be killed. Three days he'll rise from the grave. They walk a short distance, and he says... They shall kill him, and after he is killed, he shall rise the third day. So he says basically the same thing, a little bit different verbiage, but he says basically the same thing again. He's repeating it to them. And so now I want you to go to Mark chapter 10, very next chapter, Mark chapter 10, verse 33. 
Mark chapter 10, verse 33, if you look at that, it says, saying, behold, we go up to Jerusalem. So we don't have to wonder where he is now. He's, he's going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. So this time he gets more descriptive. He tells what they're going to do to him how they're going to treat him, and how they're going to kill him, and that he'll rise the third day. And so three times in a very short period of time, he's explained to them what's going to happen and what's going to happen to him. He's, he's making it very clear to these disciples. These are the disciples that have been uh, with him for three, three, three and a half years, and they've traveled with him, and they've seen him perform miracles, and they've seen him heal the sick and raise the dead. They've seen him do so much. They've seen him walk on water. All these things they've seen him do, and, and now he's speaking to them about what he came here for and why he came, and he's reiterating to them over and over again what's about to take place. So now you look at um, uh, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. I hope I've been saying Mark. Uh, suddenly I thought, was I saying Matthew or something? But, but Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, verse 26, it says when, <clears throat> well, I'll give you a second, you know, a few chapters there, but Mark chapter 14, verse 26, it says when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the, the Mount of Olives. And again, this is clear where he is at this point. And, the, and Jesus said unto, unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. And again, he's telling them what's about to happen. Uh, the shepherd, he is going to be uh, smitten, and, and, and he's going to die. And he says, but after I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. And I'm not sure if I'll get completely into all of this about why he says this time I'll go before you into Galilee, but there's an important reason behind that even, but... but uh, I'll, I'll have a word of prayer and I'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord, I don't want to ever uh, uh, preach your word without coming to you and yielding to you one final time. Spirit of God, I need your presence. I need your power. I need your guidance. And, oh, Holy Spirit of God, I, I do yield myself to thee and I ask you for your fresh anointing upon me just for, for this moment. And, and, Lord, I ask you to wrap your arms around this place as a mighty hedge of protection to everyone in it. And God, turn back the evil one. You said if we praise your word uh, that you would turn back our enemies. And God, your word is true. Your promises are true. And, and Lord, I'm asking you to turn back the enemy that might snatch away, that might help somebody and be a, an encouragement to somebody and be a blessing to somebody. Please. God, I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Clearly, Jesus is trying to get through to them concerning what is about to, to happen. Clearly, he's trying to uh, make them understand what, what he, what's about to happen to him and how he's going to be killed and how he's going to be beaten, how he's going to be spit upon, and he's going to be hung on a cross and die, and, and, and he, but he will rise from the grave. That's what he's trying to make so clear to them, and he does it over and over and over again. Uh, anybody here that, that's got children, you've ever had to tell your child something twice? You've had to say it to them again. Uh, listen, what we found out, and I had to study this out for a while, but I found out, and you preacher boys, I'll help you. 
it, it, it takes seven times for people to hear something before it ever registers in their brain. So I just get up and make my announcements and say, we have Vacation Bible School, July 24th. We have Vacation Bible School, July 24th. We have Vacation Bible... Because they don't hear it. You didn't hear me say that, did you? Because I stopped at three. But that's what we have to do is trying to get through to them. And then you got to deal with selective hearing. Selective hearing. Uh, you know, one of the, the grandsons came in yesterday and walked in, and we were several of us sitting around the table, and, and I think he asked for some milk or asked for something, and one of, the, one of them responded that he, that he could have it, and, and, uh, and, and I, you know, just to, to, to pester him, I turned around and, and said, you know, he heard immediately he could have it, and he went after it, and I said, not now or something, you know, you can't have it. He never heard that. Never even slowed up. It just went right by, by him. Now, I want to show you, though, that, that, that they, the, the disciples, people haven't changed much. So go, go to Luke, Luke chapter uh, 24. Luke chapter Luke chapter 24, verse 1, it says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared. So everything Jesus kept telling them was going to happen, it has now happened. And, and certain others with them, and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by, by them in shining garments. Now, I want you to notice in, in verse 4, and it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout. What, what they're saying is, is they're very, they're very confused, very confused right now. And so, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Watch what it says now. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. It, it is just amazing. They, they, you know, all this taking place, and they finally say, Oh, yeah. I seem, like, I seem like I remember him saying something like that. But now look what it says. It says, and return from, verse 9, returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. Now the apostles are the ones that are with him uh, the most, that traveled with him, been with him all these, these years. And it says of the apostles, and their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. And so the apostles, when they're told that the tomb is empty, the apostles think it's a fairy tale. It, 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 this can't be. They're, they're telling us some, some tale here. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And so everybody involved in this whole thing 
And God keeps working it down. It's all these disciples and, and these women that come, and, and you know, they're confused and perplexed. And, and then the, the apostles, they, 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 they think it's a fairy tale. And then Peter, the one who's always named first, uh, Peter runs there, and Peter gets there, and, and, he, and he's wondering in himself what's happened here. What in the world has taken place here? Now, it's obvious that Jesus was trying to get through to them and, and so he, they can understand something. And here's what I've always tried to, to, to get through when I, when I, when I preach this message. And, and I think part of what Dad enjoyed was, was the fact that, that Jesus was telling them this for a reason. He always had a purpose behind what he was saying, what he was doing. And he was telling them these over and over again that he was going to rise after three days. He emphasized three days, and he was going to rise from the grave. Three days, he would rise from the grave. Now, the reason he was telling them that is so that they would be there. Watch this. They, listen, he was trying to get them to see the greatest sight that anyone would ever see in all the history of, the, of all creation. He the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus wanted them to be there. Now, he wasn't wanting them to be there just because it's going to be a beautiful sight. He wasn't wanting to be there just because it's going to be powerful. He wanted them to be there because I believe that if they were there and saw him walk, come forth of that tomb, if they saw him as he arose from the grave at that miraculous moment, they would never have a moment of doubt the rest of their lives. There would never be a Peter say, I go a fishing. There would never be other disciples that follow him. There would never be a Thomas that says, I don't believe it happened. If they had all been there and gathered there, if they just heard him and heard why he kept saying, look, otherwise he would just say, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise. And they would think, oh, sometime he'll rise. But he didn't say that. He specifically said three days, three days, three days. And he wanted them to know that, that if you show up in three days, I'm going to rise from the grave. Now, the truth is, I don't think it was even show up. I think it was truly Jesus knew if they really heard him and if they really believed him, if they really listened to him, they would have gone to that tomb and sat there for three days. They would have waited because, look, what, what does he mean? And there's been a debate all through, uh, ever since it took place. Uh, what does three days really mean? And three days and three, three nights, and how many hours is that? And all these kind of things. I think they wouldn't have taken that chance. If they really understood who he was and understood what he was saying, they would have been there. You say, then why didn't they? And this is the part I think my dad enjoyed so much. It's what I call a teenage mentality. Teenage mentality. And, and that's this. It, sadly, teenage mentality goes up to about 98. But, uh, but the teenage mentality, and, that, and that's this. When, when, the best way to illustrate it, and my girls will love this, but, but the, uh, when, when the girls were all at home and they were all younger, we would periodically, when they were old enough for us to do this, we would periodically, Joe Beth and I would go someplace to escape. Um, but we would go somewhere, and we would get ready to go. Well, we would have a, the lineup, and we'd go down the lineup and say, Brooke, um, you know, we need you to you know, wash all the dishes. 
and uh, Ashley, you know, we need you to, you know, clean the bathroom. And, uh, you know, Heather, we need you to wash these clothes. And I've always said I'd go down the rest of the list, but I can't remember their names. And so, but we go, I really do, Tara. But you were just young enough to be so cute that we just didn't even worry about you doing anything. But uh, we'd go down that, go down and give them all these jobs. We'd come back in a few hours. And when we come back, you know, you walk into the kitchen, and of course, the dishes were all done. And they were all put away, and it was beautiful. We'd walk over into the bathroom, and the bathroom was spotless, clean like Mama would clean it, with a toothbrush. It was incredible. And then we'd walk down there to the laundry, and not one thing has been washed. And here's what I would do. You know, Heather's probably 12, 13 years old, or maybe, yeah, who knows. But I, I would walk over to Heather, and I would say, Heather, very calmly, I would say. Right, Heather? Very calm. I would say, Heather, <laughs> we told you to wash the clothes. And you know what she's going to say? Daddy? I didn't hear you say that. And I'm going to stay totally calm now. Right, girls? And I'm going to look at Heather and say, What? How could you not hear me? I was looking at you eyeball to eyeball. I stood right here and I told you to go wash those clothes. Then she's going to go the quivering lip. Daddy, if I'd hurt you, I'd have done it. Anybody else ever experienced this? Now, watch this now. It's not, you say, that's impossible that you could tell her, and then she would look at you and say, I didn't hear you. But watch. She heard me. She didn't listen. And watch, this is where I learned that telling them to look you in the eye, Randy, it's not going to help Price at all. Okay? Look, him, look me in the eye. Let me help you. I always had them look me in the eye. And that's when I saw the words that I was saying pass right behind them. As I would speak to them, it would just go in this ear, and you could watch the words travel behind their eyes, and it'd go, gone. And I always said, this is what I believe she was hearing as I stood in front of her and she would always like I would say Heather washed the clothes she heard that's what she heard and she just huh uh-huh she had no clue, none at all, because we're not focused. Now, I don't know what little boy she was thinking about at that moment. I don't know what game she was wanting to play. I don't know what she was wanting to do, but she, she did not listen to me. Now, 
Here's the sad thing. These grown people, disciples, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is speaking to them. And they're not focused. If you ever, if you ever worked at a job where you're over somebody, you see this all the time. You tell somebody, do this. And you come back and they've done something completely opposite. Ever happened, Brother Crumb? Yeah. Because they're not hearing. They heard noise. They heard wah, 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 wah. Let me prove it to you. Some of you at this very moment, that's what you're hearing in this service. You zoned out a little while ago. Somewhere along the way, you were hearing me talk and it suddenly went... And the only thing that interrupts that is... Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And I know, you know, when you know, I get intense every once in a while, so you hear, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> but you don't really hear what I'm saying. And that's probably one of the saddest things about it, being a preacher, isn't it? When you know that nine-tenths of the crowd... Ain't hear nothing. And you say, how do you tell? It's that look in your eye. It's when you're right here going. That's when it, it just, we're like, okay, they're done. Folks, it's so sad because here's the reason it's so sad. They missed everything. You see, if they had listened, you know what they'd have seen? They would have seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can, do you understand? Just a few days ago, my daddy saw Jesus. He saw him. And I believe, since there's really no time in heaven, somehow they got to see the resurrection. He's, he's, he's already viewed it. He sees him. And Jesus tried so hard to get those old boys just to listen to him. And the ladies, because it's clear that they heard it too, because the angel said, don't you remember what they said? What he said. And why? So that they could have gotten up one at one moment. And as they sat there in front of that tomb, suddenly all the Shekinah glory of God springs forth. And they see Jesus coming forth. The sight, the greatest power, the greatest glory they would have seen. I just, I can't imagine that, that Peter somehow would have said, I go a fishing. 
I can't imagine that the, the other disciples said, we also go with thee. I can't imagine Thomas saying, oh, unless I touch him, I'm not going to believe. If he was sitting there when Jesus came, came out of that tomb, what rejoicing, what excitement, what thrill, what praise. As they would have fallen on their faces in worship. And they would have been changed forever. Now, Hooker, why, why is this so important? Because the same Jesus that said, I will rise again, that same Jesus said, I will come again. And do you understand? He is on his way. He is going to come. You say, is he actually moving right now? Listen, he is on his way as surely as if he is coming right this moment because his word is true. He promised it had happened. He said he would come. He said I'll rise again, and he did. He said I'll come again, and he will. The problem is, is anybody listening? Are we listening? They missed it. How many in this room are going to miss it when Jesus comes? Ken was talking about yesterday. How many people sit in our churches that really don't know for sure they're going to heaven? They really have not truly trusted Christ. And you know what? They sit here and, and they've heard the religion and they've heard to be good, and they heard, I'm going to, you know, uh, trust him, and, and, and yeah, I'm going to do that, but they've just heard bits and pieces, but a true, sincere trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, King of kings, God of gods, Lord of lords, the Savior of the world, have we trusted him? Because if we haven't, and he comes, but here's what we do. We always think it's later. It'll always be later. Won't be today. Always be later. See, when I got in my car to drive to the camp Monday, I knew Dad was not well. I knew he was getting weaker, but surely... I'm going to give it to come back for the camp and talk to him. I'm going to sit down with him. He's going to ask me as soon as I walk in the door how the camp went. He's going to ask me the way he used to do with his sailors after a chapel service. How many of them got saved, son? But it wasn't tomorrow. It wasn't always the next day. It's already happened. And I can't tell you, Jesus is coming back. And I'll be honest with you, I can't imagine that he's going to wait much longer. I really can't, not in the world that we're in. I cannot imagine that he's going to tarry much longer. 
Then I'll ask you this. You say, well, I just can't grasp that he's coming back. I mean, it's one of those things that's never happened, so is it really going to happen? Well, let me present this. What if he comes for you? No, I don't, I don't mean the rapture. I'm talking about Tuesday morning, my daddy got up. My wife said he got up. He showered, which he barely had the strength to do. He shaved. He put his teeth in. He got completely dressed. Jobeth said she walked in the room and said, Wow, you sure look good today. You sure look sharp today. And she told him the goodbye to start her drive up to the camp. And an hour later, they called us and let us know they had found him, that dad had gone to heaven. Do you, what was in his mind? Fully dressed, looking sharp, feeling good. My cousin is my dad's only living sibling now. He's a 96-year-old, I think. Evangelist is 96. And my cousin last night that I hardly ever see said and Evangeline, his sister called him Monday night and he said feeling so strong I'm getting stronger they're working with me I'm getting stronger and I'm feeling better but do you think when he stepped out of that chair fully dressed looking good and he started to walk toward that bathroom. Do you think he knew he was on his way to heaven? No, I don't think so. He may have had a sense or a feeling, but he was just going to another room. And all you're doing is just going to lunch today. just going to walk out and go about your business today. But is this the last step? You see, that's what Jesus saw through the scripture. He's trying to get us to understand today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Because you don't know you have tomorrow. My dad didn't know he was getting up and getting dressed for Jesus. He didn't know that. But he got up looking sharp to walk into the presence of the Lord. If you took that step this morning, where would you be? Boy, that, that's pretty intense, but especially when God says all liars shall 